This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. These are good people, hardworking people. These are honest people who are being demonized by Justin Trudeau's liberals just to pay for their out-of-control spending. Well, that's Conservative leader Andrew Scheer yesterday speaking to the Conservative Caucus uh, retreat in Winnipeg and talking about these proposed changes to how small businesses are taxed. Well, some small businesses, cer- certain situations. And there's a lot of nuance here. It's tough to boil it down to a simple talking point to say, here's what's changing and why. It does get somewhat complex, but I suppose from the opposition's point of view, um, there's a pretty simple talking point here. Small businesses are under attack. Small businesses are good, honest, hardworking people. Mom and pop shops. And certainly, you know, we, we respect that in this country. On both the left and the right, conservatives appreciate entrepreneurs, those who are taking risks to create businesses. Uh, and those on the left have an appreciation for... You know, buying local and mom and pop businesses, not those big evil corporations. That's why we have an NDP government here in Alberta that brags about raising the corporate tax rate and also brags about lowering the small business tax rate. So there's a lot of inherent political risk in being seen to be going after small businesses. And the liberals are getting hammered, not just from the opposition conservatives, uh, but from doctors, various small business groups. It's coming from all over the place. So joining us to try to cut through all of this and talk about whether we need to look at how these businesses are taxed and what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, Andrew Coyne joins us, a columnist for the National Post and Post Media. He's been writing a lot about this issue. Andrew, thanks for joining us here. Hey, Rob, how are you? Uh, pretty good. So from a political point of view, Andrew, does it seem like the liberals uh, are getting pounded and, and making a mess of things? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a theory out there that this was all part of some master plan, that by doing this they would polarize the debate, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I can't imagine they actually intended uh, this level of outrage. I think that, I don't think they would have minded if a few, you know, well-heeled plutocrats had, uh, had you know, complained. But they managed to they managed to persuade, I think, a great number of people who aren't actually affected by this to think that they are. And if they don't think they're even necessarily directly affected, I think, you, you can't underestimate the, just sort of the feelings of people just feeling like they're not being appreciated or they've been insulted or they've been accused of this or that. And certainly the opposition has been encouraging that. I mean, I, I don't actually think the government has ever called anybody a tax cheat, but the conservatives are doing their best to persuade people that they've been called tax cheats. And, and uh, so, yeah, it, 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 you have the resulting um, uh, mixture of, I think, some degree of self-interested complaining and some degree of wounded feelings and a large element of confusion around what are very complex proposals. Right. Look, if if somebody's able to navigate the tax system and do so legally uh, in in a way that means they end up paying less tax at the end of the day, that doesn't make them a crook. It doesn't mean they've broken the law, but it's certainly fair for the government to say, should we change that? Should should people have that option available to them? That's right. I mean, t- to be fair, there was a little bit of rhetoric in when it was unveiled about people unfairly taking advantage of this. And, I, you know, the charitable interpretation is they meant that the system is unfair, but, but they, they, yeah. they gave an opening for people to say, you've called us tax cheats. 
Uh, but you're absolutely right. The problem is not that people are taking advantage of this, uh, even if they're perhaps taking advantage of it in ways that weren't initially anticipated. But that's the problem. That's the fault of the tax code, not the people who are making use of it, which, as you say, they are um, not only allowed to do, but often encouraged to do. Okay. So, I mean, to, to simplify it, let's use doctors as an example, because there are some doctors who work on salary. So if you're a salary doctor and you're $150,000 a year, well, you're going to pay the federal tax rate for that, that income bracket. If, however, you're a doctor incorporated as a business, you're not going to pay that, that same amount of tax. That's right. And people have been, you know, a lot of the debate has been comparing small businesses or doctors to wage earners, to, to, to uh, you know, you or I working as a wage slave. And there's interesting debates to be had about that. The more fundamental debate is, yeah, take two doctors, one of whom is incorporated and one of whom isn't. The one who's incorporated is going to pay less in tax. He's going to pay less in tax because he's being charged the small business rate to begin with rather than the personal tax rate. He's going to pay less in tax if he's taking advantage of what's called income sprinkling or income splitting from another argument. Uh, where uh, owners of businesses can divide up their income either through dividends or through salary with family members and therefore pay less tax because they, instead of paying at the top marginal rate, they're paying at a good chunk of it at a lower marginal rate. Uh, and then there's this business of being able to shelter, quote-unquote, passive investments, investments that aren't to do with the active business operations of the company but are, you know, your stock portfolio, your retirement fund, uh, they pay. They they wind up being paying less tax on that as well. Now, it's complicated, as you say, and it makes room for a lot of complaints of, oh, you haven't taken account of this, you haven't taken account of that. But the long and the short of it is, if you're incorporated, you're going to pay less tax for the same income uh, than somebody who is not incorporated. And there's really not a lot of good reasons why that should be the case. There's lots of reasons why somebody should want to incorporate themselves for limits of liability, et cetera. There's not a lot of good reasons why, basically, the government should pay you to do so, and that's effectively what we're doing. So what is it the government's closing the door on, or what are they changing? Well, so I mentioned some of those things. So if, if you're income springing, if you're splitting up your income, you can still do so. Uh, it's just they're going to be a little bit tighter about saying, especially with adult children, uh, you know, is this reasonable, quote-unquote? Now, that's a very complicated thing, and that's one of the sets of of legitimate criticisms of this approach is it's, it's they're getting themselves into a lot of complex matters that, that maybe they would be better avoiding. But but that's going to be one of the things is if you're splitting the income with, are, are you paying them a, a reasonable salary for the, for the job that performed for the company? Or if you're paying them a dividend, are you paying them at a level that, that two people at arm's length would do if they were in a, a stock transaction, those kinds of things. So that's one set of, of questions. The second thing with the passive income stuff, not a whole lot changes. If you, if you leave the money in the corporation, if it's still active income and you reinvest it in the company, that's not, you're going to pay the same taxes you do now. If you have a passive portfolio and you just leave it there earning income in that portfolio, you're going to pay the same taxes you do now, rather higher than you do on the small business rate. The only thing it affects is if you then pay yourself out, if you, if you, you know, extract the income from the corporation because you need it for personal use. And you're going to pay a higher rate there. Now, not to get too complicated, the, the, the gain that you have right now is not that you're paying any lower marginal rate when you finally take it out of the company. The gain that you have right now is that you paid less when you first put the money in your principal because it was, that comes out of income that was taxed at that small business rate. Mm-hmm. So it's the saving on the principal right now that is, that is the saving. What the government's done to try and offset that is charge you a much higher rate in these new proposals, charge a much higher rate on the income on that principal, 
to as much as 73%. And again, I think it's a legitimate complaint to say that's a pretty stiff way of trying to correct this, uh, this um, uh, anomaly. And then there's a third thing that caused much, much less ruckus, which is to do with the ability of people to, to convert uh, um, dividends into capital gains. But where it has raised a big ruckus is what if you're selling the company when you want to, you know, you've, you've reached retirement age, and apparently the, the complaint is, and I, this may be, well be true, is that you'll wind up paying a higher tax if you sell it to somebody else than if you sell it to a family member. Yeah, I've heard that. So well, the, the way to sum all that up is, there are legitimate complaints and criticism that have been made by tax experts that say, look, we get the problem you're trying to address here. Maybe the way you've gone about it is overly complicated or only overly intrusive, or maybe here or there has some unfairness or some unintended consequences. And all of that is a, a worthwhile debate. Most of the fire and fury, if I can borrow that phrase, has come from people who don't even accept that there's a problem, who think it's perfectly legitimate that people in small businesses should pay a lower rate of tax uh, on their income than somebody earning the same income. And that's, uh, that gets us into a whole different debate. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, you hear a lot of these points, right? And, and certainly there's truth to them that, uh, you know, people who run a small business, they don't have the, the same kind of benefits uh, that, that somebody in a salaried position would have. They're taking on more risk uh, as uh, somebody who started a business. They, they've had a lot of tough years before they've, they've realized success as a, a small business person. Yeah. And, and, and all of that may be true. It's just that it's not supposed to be the job of the tax system to kind of compensate for all of the vagaries of life and the difficulties in your career choice, et cetera. Income tax is supposed to be about ability to pay, and it's measured usually by income. Now, it's true to say that some things that we don't call income probably should be included in the, in the calculation. And they, I think the people in the current debate have a legitimate beef when they say, well, look, you, you, when you didn't tax employer, uh, employee health benefits when you had the chance. Remember, there was that ruckus a year or two ago. Uh, and I think they've got a point on uh, on that, which is, you know, employee health benefits are kind of income, and they ought to be taxed as income. The fact that we don't do so is another unfairness in the system, and there's a lot of unfairnesses in the system. And so one of the complaints is, why are you only picking on us? Why don't you do a more broad-based reform? And we can have that debate. But back on this, what what the system can't do, but people seem to be asking it to do, is to take into account all kinds of things like you know, how much vacation do you take or do you work longer hours than somebody else? I've had, I'm sure you've had as well, just reams of correspondence from people saying, you don't know how hard my job is as an entrepreneur and blah, blah, blah. The system can't possibly take into account all of these factors. It can really only be based on income or close proxies of that. Uh, and so they're asking you to do something, I think, that is, that is uh, that's beyond the can of, of, of any reasonable taxes. And on the particular point of the risk that they take on, um, that's just a very different theory about how the economy works than I'm familiar with. The, the, the return for the reward for taking a risk is supposed to be the return. It's supposed to be that you make a lot of money, or at least you have a chance of making a lot of money. That's why you take the risk, and that's why people are willing to pay you that extra money in, in return for taking that risk. Most economists will say you want people to make in their own assessments of whether a risk is worth taking based on the real returns, you know, the, the actual return from, their, from the investment and, and, the, and the likely cost, and not have the tax system interfering with that decision. You want people to be making decisions on the basis of what's actually happening in the economy and not the tax goody that they get from the government because you did what the government wanted you to do. And so it's very odd seeing people defending this tax break uh, on kind of free market grounds. The free marketers would say, don't have any tax breaks. Have a very neutral system where... You make your own decisions without the government uh, either rewarding or punishing you for particular choices. 
Right. And I think people bristle because there's this perception that the government's always finding a way to, to get their hands on, on money that they don't have access to. And that if we had this perceived discrepancy, we want to create fairness rather than reduce the tax that one side is paying. We're increasing the tax that the other side is paying. Again, that's, that's a fair complaint as far as it goes, that, that it, it does always seem that, that, uh, that they only ever close the uh, tax preferences, but they never do any kind of offsetting reduction of taxes. And so there is an argument to be said, certainly from a political standpoint. I, th- I think a lot of people might say, oh, yeah, I, I get politically, I get, you know, as a pure policy matter, we should have a more broad ranging uh, tax reform and close everybody's, you know, gore everybody's ox equally and then use the revenues to cut taxes across the board. A lot of people say, yeah, yeah, that's fine on a blackboard, but in the real world of politics, we can't possibly do that. We have to kind of go one at a time. What we may be learning from the repeated efforts of this government, because this is now the third time that they've had to back off on a, on a tax reform, is if you do it one at a time, you just, get it, you, you just give everybody the, a single target to shoot at, <laughs> uh, and you don't have any winners out of the exercise. There's only losers in this exercise. You know, at least in a perceived sense, you've got people are going to get taxed more and there's nobody on the other side saying, wait a minute, my taxes are going down. So what, what we may be learning is actually the politically more feasible thing may be to do a more broad ranging reform. And maybe this is where this goes at some point. Yeah. What might that look like? Well, I mean, there's a broad ranging exercise going on behind the scenes in the government where they have had a lot of experts looking at. Uh, all of these quote-unquote tax expenditures. And you had some discussion of this, by the way, during the conservative leadership race. You remember there were uh, leadership candidates with, with jaw-dropping proposals to cut taxes, cut tax rates. And when you ask them how are they going to pay for it, they would say, oh, well, we're, we're going to get rid of a lot of, of, of tax breaks, tax expenditures, as they're called. They're called tax expenditures because so they're basically spending programs by another name. They're just delivered through the taxes. Uh, and when you get into the weeds of these things, there's hundreds of them, and they're worth billions and billions of dollars. So uh, we saw this back in the 80s, by the way. There was a broad, the last time there was a big tax reform exercise in both Canada, Canada and the United States was back in the 80s. And, yeah, they closed off a lot of existing tax preferences, tax breaks, whatever you want to call them, and they used the revenues to, to, to bring the tax rates uh, way, way down. And it's been 30 years. There's been an accumulation of these things since then. Uh, and tax rates have begun to creep back up, especially the top end. So maybe uh, maybe it's the lesson in all this is, is it's time to, um, time to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Now, I mean, the liberals seem to box themselves in here by saying, you know, that, that we need to do this. We haven't changed our mind. This is going to happen. But they've, have they left themselves enough wriggle room that they can maybe make some, some changes to all of this? Yeah, uh, uh, big or small, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you're right. They've said there's some, some tweaks we can make, and, and presumably they will try to do it in a way that um, more clearly narrows the focus. I mean, I think it is true to say that, that the biggest beneficiaries uh, of the existing system are well-to-do. And when you go into the numbers, they're, they're much more likely to be taking advantage of a private corporation than people on lower income. It's true that there are some people on lower income who also have private corporations and who get some benefit from them. But there's no doubt that the biggest beneficiaries are higher income. So there may be ways they can tweak it to more clearly uh, uh, make the, you know isolate that uh, and and or making the, making it less uh, intrusive and less complicated. But uh, I'm not sure exactly what that could be. I mean, my own preferred, if, if they're just going to deal with this one problem rather than a more sweeping tax reform, 
what I and what a lot of people would say is don't treat the symptoms, treat the cause. The reason why there's been this rush of people over the last 15 years, enormous numbers of people, quite beyond anything that would be explained by the, what's going on in the economy, why there's been this enormous rush of people to incorporate over the last 15 years is that there's been this widening, widening gap between the small business rate, which is maybe 14, 15 percent, uh, depending on the province, and the top personal rate, which is now over 50 percent in most provinces. So that's like a 37, 38 point gap. And of yeah. course, people are going to be looking ways to take advantage of that. Close that gap, cut the top personal rate and raise the small business rate. A lot of countries have looked at this and said, you know what? We don't actually, it doesn't actually make sense to distinguish between corporations in terms of the rate they pay. We should just have a single corporate rate. Uh, and if you did that, then you'd close that gap and there'd be much less incentive for people to engage in these practices that the government is trying to, in a much more complicated way, rein in. Yeah, it's an important point. We'll see what happens. Andrew, much more to nationalpost.com. Thanks so much for joining us here. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. Andrew Coyne, uh, columnist with the National Post, nationalpost.com. So he makes some interesting points. Right? We says there's still some, some big problems with the liberal approach to this, but that, that there is a legitimate issue they're trying to address here. Right? The point of incorporation should not be that it exists as a tax haven. If that's the motivation for people doing that, then that's not the point. That's not why we want that. So how do we address that? I mean, a simple way would obviously be then to, to take away that incentive, to, to lower the top tax rate. And maybe that's why there wasn't much outcry when the liberals came in and they created that new top tax bracket. Because a lot of people who would fall into that tax bracket knew that they had different ways of shielding income from that. So, yeah, certainly I think it's a fair point that higher personal taxes give people an incentive to find ways to pay less tax. That's entirely natural and understandable. So what do you make of all of this? Our number here, 974-8255-974-TALK. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.